back to the Educators Podcast. I'm your host, Alejandro Gutierrez. Uh, and as usual, I have a special guest here. We're going to talk some education, get into the classroom, and uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Uh, go ahead, my man, introduce yourself. Who are you and uh, where you're from? All right. Uh, my name is Jaime Avila. I am a Latino educator here in the Bay Area, San Jose specifically. Um, actually, I'm a Bay Area native, born and raised, uh, youngest of eight kids. And uh, I've been in the education game going on 15 years now. Wow. So it's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate no, it. Man, and I appreciate you uh, jumping on here. I think we've, we've connected through other people. And like I said, through social media, we have a mutual friend. And uh, I don't know, you, you've been able to help me a couple of times. So I was like, man, I got to get him on because <laughs> I started this podcast uh, because of what you do, because of what I do, you know, just, just just teachers and, and and I wanted to do this whole thing where I'm like, I'm going to highlight teachers and what they do outside the classroom as well, because I don't know about you, but I've met so many teachers that do so many things outside the room as well. Just as like, I don't know, they can, they can have a second profession or a hobby yeah. or, and I was just thinking of that during the pandemic. And then, I don't know, we stumbled across each other on, on social media and I'm glad we did. So hopefully we can um, talk a little bit about the classroom and why you got into it. So we can start off with that, uh, Jaime. I appreciate your time and uh, kind of tell me, you know, Everybody has a why, um, and that's what I ask everybody. So why why teach, man? You could do anything in the world. Why teach? Man, that, you know, that's – it's a long story, and, like, it, it's a story of, like, you know, hundreds if not thousands of voices that contributed to me being here. And, um, you know, if I could pinpoint it, you know, I, I think that decision was made in high school. So, you know, like I mentioned, I'm the, the youngest of eight, and – I just happened to end up in these classrooms with two amazing, two amazing educators, uh, Gene Dorsa and uh, Brian Berrientes. And uh, at the time, I was not on a, a college track. You know, we're first generation. And, uh, you know, while education was important to my family at the time, it was more of a, you know, graduate high school, graduate high school. Right. And the the college path wasn't really, you know, laid out in front of us, like, what it was about and how do you navigate it more importantly how do you navigate it and um you know these two educators i wasn't the the strongest student when i entered their classrooms uh, but for whatever reason they saw potential and they worked with me and eventually they started asking me the questions you know what, what are you doing after high school and at the time i honestly didn't have an answer it was just like well I'm gonna go to work it's like it's kind of what you do right? right and so you know they started asking me like well have you ever thought about college and and to me it was such a foreign concept you know i had i had heard of it um i had heard some friends talk about it but it wasn't really on my radar at the time and so it started off with gene dorsa and then continued on with uh brian barrientes both of them science teachers one physiology and then the other one physics like i never envisioned myself taking physics right and um so they just gradually started talking to me about like, okay, well, this is what you need to do. Like, you know, do X, Y, and Z, what classes are you taking? And, you know, I'm sure the counselors at my school were, you know, 
doing what they were supposed to be doing. But that message came crystal clear through those two educators that I needed to go, that I had the potential to go and the potential to do something. And that really stuck with me. And so, you know, I end up having, you know, a really strong uh, junior year, a really strong senior year. And, you know, I have this opportunity to, you know, pick between a couple of schools. And, you know, for me, my family was, and still is pretty much local. And so San Jose State, which is our, you know, our local CSU was just kind of like the obvious choice. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, there were some offers from like Colorado and I was like, I don't know anything about Colorado. Wait, wait, wait. So, you know, I'm going to stick close to home. Um, and so, you know, I don't regret that decision. I, you know, just some amazing experiences over at, at, at San Jose State. And, you know, it just so happens that, you know, things just line up, like the universe lines things up for you sometimes. And, you know, I, I think that decision to go to San Jose State, um, some people that I encountered there, it just, uh, along with my past experience with those two educators, just kind of navigated me and pushed me um, into education. And so, you know, when I was there, uh, you know, love science, absolutely love science. And so tutored a couple of friends and then, you know, tutored some people in classes. And then that's when I realized, like, I, I loved talking about science. I love breaking down science because, you know, I, I, I tell my kids, all the time, you know, science seems very complicated and it can be complicated, but if you break it down into simple pieces and then just build on those pieces, it, it's really not that bad. And so it, it, that just became a passion of mine is, is breaking down these complex pieces into simpler parts. And originally was just a, a bio major and was going to enter in the field of science. And I was you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, like, I really love interacting with people and talking about science. And so I think it was my second year that I became fully committed, like, okay, I'm going to go into education. And from then it was just, it was just a straight shot into education. And that's cool, man. You, you kind of, you, you already broke it down for me, you know, your, your whole path. And I'm glad that you kind of found that success with, like you said, you were tutoring someone and it could be that little experience that you had with someone else. It could be a peer or someone younger. Um, and you and you see that success like oh you know I could break down this concept for this person and and I, I think I kind of I could relate with that when uh, I started coaching soccer um, as like you know soccer is this this complex sport right and so me being able to break it down to four year olds five year old different different age groups even high school I kind of saw this thing like oh, you know I think I could see myself in the classroom um, my path's a little bit different um, just because my parents were educators mm -hmm. so. Uh, it was something that I was like, well, I could be a teacher like you. And I remember my mom always saying like, no, you don't want to do that. Like do something else. And, um, and it wasn't that she was trying to knock the profession. I think it was just like, try to do something else first. And, um, you know, because of that, you know, I was able to, I don't know, kind of steer my way around different careers until I ended up teaching. I think I always saw myself as a teacher, but um, going back to your story, Jaime, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, how about your home life? Was uh, was education a big thing at home? Was that something that your parents um, kind of instilled in your siblings, or um, what can you talk well, about? You know, you know, my my parents, you know, came from from Mexico, and you know, it's a classic story. You know, they they right. came to the U.S. looking for a better life for their kids, and you know, for for the most part, it was just look, <laughs> we're here, we can have you know, better jobs, right. it really, the, the, the kind of push was, was high school. And it's not because that was like their ambition for us, like, okay, just high school. It right. was just, that's, 
all that was known, you know, and it, it, it's something that I, like I'm very passionate about because I'm um, the avid coordinator here at my school. It's with, with some families, it's not that they don't want to go to college or they don't have that aspiration. It's nobody talks to them about it. You know, it's not part of the, the conversation. And I think it's important to have those, those conversations with, with kids, you know, because it wasn't something that was talked about in my family. And there's reasons for that. You know, it's like, it, it's fine that, that it, it wasn't because um, eventually, you know, I, I was able to get there. I was, you know, I said I was lucky enough that my family was supportive and said like, yeah, go do this thing that we know nothing about. Right. You know, and I look at it and it's like, it, it's a shame that, like I said, these, um, these barriers still exist. You know, they existed when I was growing up. It's like, they don't um, deliver this info to these families. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't get to them. And so, you know, I, you know, once I graduated, like I said, I was very passionate about that, about like, okay, well, these first generation families who, like I said, it's just not part of their conversation. Let, let's bring them in. Let's invite them to the table. And that's what it was. I mean, I think, you know, growing up, it was like, it was one of those ones where the table was there. We just weren't invited to it. And so that's why I became very passionate about that as well. Um, but like now, like now it's different. So now, you know, once, you know, now that I navigated the system, um, it's helped my nieces and nephews navigate that system. And so now it's, it's part of the, the constant conversation um, in our household. It's, it's, it just, it just is. And again, it's, we had to bring that, you know, we had to bring that conversation in. And so now, you know, through programs like Avid, I'm trying to, to do the same with, with other families. Yeah. You're trying to normalize the, the, the college experience, you know, because I think, uh, for a lot of, it could be with anything we're talking about. It could be any, any, any path. Um, some families is, or just, you know, for some kids and some families, it's just normal to do this. You know, it's, it might be normal to have a convertible and go on golf trips and go on snowboarding. Yeah, trip. yeah. Like that's, that's normal to a family yeah. or to some other families is normal to not go anywhere. Right. It's normal yeah. to uh, go to the, you know, whatever it may be. And I see it. Right. And I think kind of hit me when I started coaching at his, at this high school nearby where I grew up, um, and I remember telling the, telling the students, it was like a Thursday. I'm like, hey, so Saturday, we're going to play this tournament game. Um, it's going to be over here at this school, right? And we're talking about the neighboring school, Jaime, right? The school that's yeah. two miles down. And the kid was like, where's that at? And I kind of was like, thought he was playing. And I was like, you know, hey, you know, he's a sophomore. You know, there's no way he's playing. Like, there's no way he's lying. There's he's no joking. way he's like joking about that. <laughs> and he's like, and the, the conversation I'm having with him, he's like, no, really, where is that at? So I'm trying to give him references like, do you know where the Walmart is? And he's like, there's a Walmart? And I'm like, okay, right? And so I'm starting to break this down to the point where I'm like, wow. And I didn't realize this kid was 14, 15 and had never left his street, you know? Yeah, and, you hang around your hood. Right, he was just hanging out, you know, and it wasn't because maybe, I don't know, his resource or whatever it may be, but it's definitely just, you know, like we said, normalizing college is something that we're trying to do for our families, but it wasn't maybe for the families before us. So it's yeah. the same thing. I, I kind of just analyze, I mean, I'm just trying to like compare that with something. And I think I was like, wow, this student has never left their house. I'm hoping that now this student is, is able to, you know, drive himself around and maybe when he has his family, you know, he could take them more places, but you know, it's just not normal, you know? So at my house, I was lucky enough to have college as a normal conversation just because, you know, like I said, my parents were educators and, and they always, it wasn't about like, hey, uh, are you going to college? It was like, which college are you going to? Yeah. You know? Or what What are you going to do when you actually finish college? So that was kind of like, I was lucky enough to have that conversation. I'm glad that 
you're able to transmit that back to your nephews and your next generation, especially the students you have in your room, because that's what our job is, is to become that resource for the next group, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you know, it leads to like a, a larger conversation on on privilege. It's like I, I you know, I think when some people use that word, they assume like, well, things are handed to you. It's not necessarily that things are handed to you. It's just that you have the privilege of being around these conversations that are just normalized for you. Like these doors are just there for you where other people don't have that level of access and no one's going to them, giving them that level of access either. You know, you, like I said, you're privileged because you get to hold that info within, you know, your family or your circle of people. It doesn't leave you. And so I I think, you know, especially like a lot of stuff that happened over, um, you know, this past summer, you know, with discussions of, of privilege, um, it, it made me rethink about that, about what, like, what that really means. It doesn't mean that you're, like I said, you're necessarily handed things, although it can be, uh, but it's just, like I said, you just have so much more access to right. things that others don't. And it, like, some people just don't realize. It. And I think that that's what, you know, some people like myself, looking back, it's like, you don't understand, like, I never had that, like you do, like, it was just part of your conversation. Correct. And you don't, you don't realize it. You, you, you know, you feel like, no, I don't have privilege. Of course you do. You just, the worst part is you don't realize it. it doesn't say it was so normalized for you. You don't realize that that was the privilege right. that it was normalized for you. You know, and it is used in a negative connotation, you know, like, oh, you're privileged. And it's used as a kind of like a, it could be kind of an insult or whatever, maybe, but it, it's just, there's no other word, I guess, that you could use to say, like, I, I use normalized, right? Like, things are normal. Yeah. Because, uh, and I kind of, you've read that in books, like, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? You, you read yeah, those yeah. things, those conversations where, like, you know, and you can kind of look back to different different things where, like, okay, that's just normal for them. Like, it's not their fault either, like, that that yeah, child yeah. grew up in Los Gatos, right? In this, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not their fault, you know? So, when they go to the, do these things, you're like, that's not, you know, yeah, we're, that is privileged. But then again, you know, it's, it's not their fault either because that's yeah. what, what what their family had them set up for. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to find that common ground or some kind of trying to balance it out a little more. I, I don't know if you ever if you remember, but there was a teacher um, in Oakland, I believe, and he wrote an open letter to Stephen Curry. I don't know if you remember. He wrote, he wrote oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He wrote the letter to Steph Curry and was like, please don't like when you come to my school, please don't tell my students that they can be you, you know. And I was like, and this was like at least maybe five or six years ago, I think maybe more when he was, no, I think five years ago when, when the Warriors were on, you know, they were on fire. And, yeah, they were, yeah, they were on um, their terror. You know, yeah, I'm a, well, I'm a Kings fan, so I don't, <laughs> I don't mind the Warriors not doing well anymore, but the Warriors <laughs> were on fire for a while and um, it was a big thing, right? Steph Curry was the, you know, the hottest thing on, in, on the planet. And uh, when the teacher wrote that, I had to read that article. I was like, let me read this. You know, I read the letter and, you know, he just tells the student, he just tells Steph Curry, like, look, you know, you can't tell my kids like you can tell my kids anything, but don't come to my my school and tell them that they could be you because your father was an NBA All Star. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. you're normal, like you standing there and watching. This goes back to what we're talking about right now. You watching these guys warm up, you know, before games, and you're like hanging out with Vince Carter and different people as a kid. Um, that's not normal to these students, right? Like, you didn't. Yeah. Well, pretty much, he was. He was kind of a shot at him too. It was like your your path was not a normal path, you know, and a yeah. lot. Maybe his dad was, but his wasn't, you know, where it's like, you know, you're talking about, you know, these, his dad was an NBA all-star, you know, and, and he can make phone calls to get him where he needs him to be. And, and that's normal to Steph Curry. Right. So obviously he did take advantage of it. Not like everyone gets that opportunity, but he took advantage of it. And I think we're just talking about the same thing. So uh, for you and I, you know, maybe it was normal to 
have a family, you know, because I think Latinos, you know, Latinx family, Latinx uh, kids for the most part are able to um, have this family, this sense of family and this sense of close knit, you know, like hanging out for, for religious ceremonies or, or we have traditions that we just keep, you know, we, and it's very important for us to hang out with our cousins. It's just a thing that we do. Yeah. Right. And, and I think for other people, it's not normal, you know, so we have our, our advantages too, and other people have their thing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, but part of the reason I, I bring that, cause I know we're, we're you know, we're going to talk some education and, and distance learning is, you know, I, I think it's also important for, you know, educators to recognize some of this as well, because, you know, in distance learning, you know, again, when we talk about things like, like, like privilege and, you know, things that are normalized, you're right. For some of them, it's, it's not their fault, but I think it's important for educators to recognize that they have it because, you know, in some cases, especially during distance learning, there are some students who have advantages in technologies, in their network abilities, and for for teachers to turn around and say, well, all students need to be like that. It's like, well, no, like you as an educator need to recognize not everyone right. is like that. Right. That's not that that's not the normal for everyone. And if it's not the normal for everyone, you you can't hold everyone to that exact standard. It doesn't mean you have low standards for your kids. Don't get me wrong. But you also have to recognize not all kids <laughs> have, you know, that equipment or have that Name network access, ability right. or that that access. Yeah. And so I, I think that's another, you know, kind of important thing that, like I said, when I talk about privilege, like educators need to learn to recognize it. And, and that's something that I've seen. Uh, it hurts me because uh, I hear some people that I, you know, that I, that are grown now and they'll tell you like, oh, I hated school. And I'm like, really? Like, I loved school. You know what I mean? So like, I, like, I loved going to high school. Like I loved my high school. You know, I, I had, yeah. a, I mean, yeah, there were some things I didn't like to do, but for the most part, I look back, I'm like, that was a great time, you know? And um, I think, I was able to connect with other students and have a good time with it. Uh, I think the disconnect probably would have been with teachers, but just because there were so many students, the teachers didn't seem to, you know, make very many connections with all of us. There was a lot of us, so uh, it was a big school. Um, but I look back, I look, I mean, so I look forward now, and I'm, I'm looking forward into what we're doing now, as, as you know, talking about this distance learning. And you know, we got caught, right? We got caught as an educational system, as a country, as yeah. a world, the world, period. But I think just if we want to focus smaller. We could just talk about our state or whatever it may be, but we got caught unprepared, right? We got caught unprepared. I mean, For I sure. think some districts are more than others, but I mean, fortunately where I'm working, we were we were prepared enough. Um, technology was not a new thing to us, right? Uh, we had already been using the Google Suite. You know, we already had, you know, uh, sorry, Google Suite. We already had, um, you know, Google Classroom and different things. We already, that was already, you know, we've been using those for five years. We are a Google school, you know, uh, Google district. And so we were able to have like, you know, we got kids have Chromebooks at school. We had one per student, you know, per classroom. So we had uh -huh. plenty of technology ready. Um, so it was just about getting it to them. You know, the biggest thing, and you could tell me about your experience, but the biggest thing that we had here was I didn't realize how many students didn't have internet, you yeah. know? And I was like, wow, you know, because I don't know for you, but for me, one of my main things on my checklist to have in my house is you know, okay, it's like, you know, water, food, this and that, but yeah. internet is on my list, you know, there's, yeah, for sure. I, I'm going to have, you know, and my wife and I, we always joke because, you know, she wants to, she's from the Central Valley, right? Stockton area, uh, Lodi. And so she wants to, you know, she wants to live out there in a the ranch and have that area because she grew up like that. Yeah. And my whole thing is like, man, you know how slow the internet's going to be if I live there, you know? <laughs> and that's like, I always joke with people about that. I'm like, 
nah, man, I'm gonna stay in the city. I know it's it's more expensive. I know there's taxes, like, but the you know the that Comcast line is right in front of my house, you know. So that kind of stuff to me is that's my priorities, though. That's because I like that's how I entertain myself, you know, or that's how we, we do things. But um, students didn't have internet, and I was like, wow, that is that is crazy to think that in this first world country that we have, right, the greatest country in the world, quote unquote, or whatever top five, I don't know how they rank these things, but um, we assume that everyone has internet. We assume that everybody has, um, and not just the access to the internet, Jaime, but I also think, I mean, I know you, you can relate to this with other students you might have dealt with, but not everyone has a safe place to be at yeah. um, outside of school, which is kind of weird, right? So um, when they're not at school, it's like, they're probably sometimes uncomfortable. You know, they're probably more, they're more comfortable being at school, you know? So kind of tell me about that, what you thought going into that and, and what you kind of, I don't know, dealt with, if you want yeah, really I mean, to share you know, too much, but you know. When, you know, when, when COVID first happened, I think all of us thought, okay, we're going to go two, three weeks. Right, a year ago. We, we <laughs> yeah. didn't say that a year yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, a year yeah. ago, we thought like, okay, well, you know, give us two or three weeks, you know, nah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch them up once they get, once they get back. And then uh, once we realized we, we weren't coming back, for us, it was, uh, you know, a couple of weeks when, you know, Newsom uh, made the announcement that, yeah, you're not going back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I started thinking like, we're going to see both some positives in education and some definite negatives out of education because, and again, it wasn't the school's fault, but we weren't prepared to make that like instant transition into um, distance learning. But I knew, you know, teachers would rally. Okay. For the most part, teachers would rally for their kids, but it was going to highlight some things in education we need to work on. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> even without distance learning, there are plenty of things that we need to work on. A lot yeah. of things that we need to work on, right. but I think these magnified some of those things and it, yeah, you're right. It started off with some of these kids don't have Chromebooks at home. I, we, we had them here at school, but again, you had a group of kids who already had laptops who already had computers at home. Yeah. And then there was this other group that didn't. And then you have this group who has access to the internet, high-speed internet. And then you have this other group that doesn't. And, you know, even before we talk about like, okay, well, then we got them hotspots, we got the Chromebooks. You know, if we rewind the clock back to when they were in school, you know, this is why I say educators really need to think about this. We, we need to pay more attention to it. Before the pandemic, it's not like that was different. You had this group of students who had access to technology, who had access to high-speed internet, mm -hmm. and you had this other group that didn't. They didn't have a laptop at home. They didn't have a computer at home, or they didn't have great internet. And we're holding them to the exact same standard. And sometimes educators are using this group who have all that equipment and who have that great internet and saying, why can't you be more like them? And, you know, for me, it's like, can you imagine being that other group hearing that it's like well i can't like it's just like i i literally can't and i think this you know this switch during covid really highlighted that like look you have to understand some of them just do not have it okay we you know we need to do a better job as an education system like if, if we're if we're going to compare those two groups we need to make sure they're on a more level playing field correct and again that's one of those things that just like instantly popped out to me like when we send these kids home with homework, you know, like how come you didn't do your homework or, you know, how come you turned it in late? Well, like, right. well, what, it, like how much more did this group of students have to do? Like how much more did they have to extend themselves than this group? 
just to get a homework assignment done. And then you multiply that by every single day they're in school. And so for me, just like, it just highlighted like, holy crap, like we need to do a much better job of paying attention to this. And that, that was just, that was just that, like, forget like home life too. You know, right now, uh, while we're on zoom, you know, there's some of these kids who turn on their cameras and they're inside of, you know, their own room or an office. Cause there's a kid who's in an office by themselves. Okay. They have, you know, amazing headset, great LED mic. lights, a yeah, gamer LED. chair. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then you have this other group who's at the kitchen table and you can hear their brothers and sisters zooming, you know, for their middle school class or their elementary school class. And, you know, this kid is trying to get their work done while they're, you know, right next to their siblings. And again, we're asking this group to, to be just as good as, as this group, or that's the, at least that's the expectation. Like, you know, we're expecting to turn it in at exactly the same time, have exactly, you know, it's like you, you have to recognize the inequity between these two groups. Right. And I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that you have a lower standard. Cause I think that's what sometimes educators think. Like when you talk like that, like, Oh, well, you want us to lower standards and like, no, you still have high standards for both, but you recognize, understanding, yeah, understanding. yeah, there's a you yeah. recognize that they are at two different levels. Mm-hmm no fault of either of them. Like it's not their fault that they have all this tech and it's not their fault that they don't, but what are you as an educator going to do to sort of balance that out? And I think that's the hard part of, of, of being in education. You have to recognize that and balance that out because the cop-out is just like, well, I'm going to teach. I'm just going to teach. And those who can keep up can keep up. And those who can't, can't like, you know, that that's not how I see it, you no, know, in, no. in, in education. No. And so, no. yeah, it definitely got highlighted um, during the pandemic. And you're right, like, and, you know, there, there's this um, sort of this internal, you know, dialogue and struggle that I'm having, like, should we bring kids back? Should we not bring kids back? And, you know, there are always going to be schools who brought them back way too early, and there's going to be schools who bring them back way too late. You know, that's just kind of the way that it's going to be. Um, but, yeah, no, it got me thinking about, yeah, what about those kids where school is the best learning environment. Like this is the best place for them to learn because at home, you know, whether it, it's too small or, or maybe the people they're living with, can you imagine like coming to school is an escape from the people that you have to be around? Right. Correct. You no, know, I, I feel, I feel for those kids. So like, there's this internal, you know, dialogue in me, like, you know, when should we bring them back? Um, you know, cause I'm trying to balance out, you know, the safety of, you know, staff and other family members too. So, you know, that, that, that has been like one that's just been nagging at me <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. So what about like for, for your group of kids, are you guys, um, how long have you guys been back or? Um, so we, we went back, to, we're on spring break right now. When this episode drops, it will be, you know, a couple of weeks. We'll be our third week already in school uh, with students and it's, it's a hybrid system. Um, mm-hmm. As far it's just a hybrid system. There's there's three groups that come in. They rotate. You know, it's, it's A B C pretty much. So one one day is A day, the next day is B, and it just keeps going that way. He's rotating A B C. Um, so sometimes you go to school twice a week. Sometimes you go to school once a week, um, and then you're at home on Zoom at the same time if you're not in class. So it's a lot um, to ask from everyone, uh, especially you know the staff, the teachers who have to <laughs> navigate all these things. But like you said, we we rally around, man. Teachers have um have definitely showed their true colors this year and and been tested to the to the limits for right? sure uh i think you know this this my mom I, I say it and i don't say it as a knock to my mom you know she's 
taught over 30 something years, but she was part, uh, she was going to retire this school year. Mm -hmm. Um, but since last school year, you know, ended in the way it did and she's a kindergarten teacher, it was like a, you know, complete disaster as far as like, you know, giving kids, uh, technology didn't have that right. Kindergartners, you never equate having Chromebooks for kindergarten. It's not a thing. And and she's from, you know, she was at a school that's a really high socioeconomic level, but uh, area, but, uh, it's just the way kindergarten is. Right. And so having to make her learn what Google classroom was and make videos and, it was a lot of work for myself and my wife. We were over there, like we would do our lessons and then go to my mom's house, help her do hers. And it was a lot. And and she ended up just saying like, I can't go back for another school year like this. Like, especially it's going to be required. It was going to be required to do more, right? Than it was yeah. last year. So she just said, you know, I know I'll make more money, but I'm done. You know, so I know a lot of teachers that ended up just saying this is too much and I'm done. And, and I don't knock any of them because, you know, there's got to be a reason why you leave. So it was good. That was the, the writing was on the wall and it was, it was too much, but <laughs> Definitely, we've been tested and we've uh, been able to fight through it. Um, I think it's just what hurts us right now. What hurts myself as a teacher is being able to make that connection with students. I can't. I became a teacher like just like you did to connect with students and help them, right? And not not even like in the subject that I teach, but just be there for them and and steer them in a way you know that's positive for them. And so if there's a camera off, you know, I don't even know what some of these kids look like, you know, and I don't and um, they just look uh, a name or a, or an icon, right? Yeah, it's just an icon, and and it's not that we want. I want to be a bully, like turn your camera on. It's like, yeah. um, I want to let you know that I got you. You know, what yeah. can we do for you? And if you're just you know looking at a teacher talk on the camera, I just don't see that. You know, and I really feel bad for the younger kids, the elementary school kids that are being robbed of their kindergarten experience. You know, or their first grade experience, which is if you can go back, those are the best times ever, right? Having a good time and playing, and so that's being robbed right now. You know, and I'm kind of fortunate that my son is not of school age yet. So he didn't have to go through that. Um, and so, but you know, he is missing out on other things as well, but yeah, man, we're, we're, we're trying to get, we're trying to get through this. Uh, it's been three weeks. I think, uh, by the time this comes out, we're, we're, we're going to have all the kids back. So we're not going to have any cohorts anymore. Mm-hmm. We're going to have kids in and kids at home at the same time. So it'll be all the kids there. It'll, it'll be, it'll be a lot of students in probably 40, to 50% in the classroom and another other percentage at home. So, yeah. So for us, we're going to come back April 19th. That'll be the first time some of our kids are allowed uh, back on campus. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been, it's been rough. I, I think the, the, don't get me wrong. There, there are some things that are a little bit easier on, on zoom. I mean, you know, some people can roll out of bed, can, you know, rock the button up with the sweats on bottom and, you know, it's less work that way. But I think overall, it's more work teaching on Zoom. I, I don't know if you feel the same way. That, it's a lot of work. It's, yeah, it's a lot of work. I agree. Yeah, this is like it. And it's different. Like I said, you're right. Connecting with students is so much harder now during Zoom. And it doesn't mean that I don't connect with them. I still try. It's just it takes longer. It, it's harder. They're, they're, they're more quiet. Um, you don't have those moments where you can just, you know, walk in the classroom, stop by a desk really quick, talk with them, and then, you know, just have that, that small conversation with them at their desk or just as they're coming in the door, it's, it, it's different. And yeah, I know you got the breakout rooms, but it's just, it's just not the same. No. Um, and this, this is basically just, just kept us afloat. That is the way I look at it. It just it just kept us afloat for about a year. That that's really, you know, all distance learning did. Um, are are there some 
kids that distance learning is going to work for. Yeah, I think there's a small subset of kids where distance learning works better for them. Uh, but I think for the most part, in my experience with my own students, it, it just works better in person. It just, it just does. And so I can't wait, <laughs> you know, I can't wait to come back now that we're vaccinated. So not, you know, now that teachers have, have gotten their, you know, the opportunity to get their vaccine, you know, I can't wait to be back um, in person with, with, with my students. Yeah. Cause you're doing science, right? So yeah. I mean, how are you doing labs? Um, what, do you so, what kind of science do you teach or what? So, you know, marine bio. So obviously yeah, really difficult uh, <laughs> to, to do it. So, you know, you, you know, we're, and again, that's what I'm saying. It, it's so much harder to do it online because you're trying to pull these pieces. Okay. Um, and again, it's something that just came up out of the blue and to say like, oh, well, you know, here's the answer. Like no one had the answer that instant. And, and even right now, you know, there are these companies that are, you know, trying to play catch up with digital labs. Like they're just, they're, they're kind of making them as they go. And, you know, we're kind of trying to follow along as best. We, so, you know, we're, we're pulling from here and pulling from there. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I try to get my kids to do on, on like hands-on stuff at home because science isn't like, yes, science can be done in a laboratory, but, you know, there's just, you know, some very simple things that can be done at home, like go explore the natural world at home. <laughs> get outside, go look at something outside right. for a little right. bit. And so, yeah, so as much as I can, I try to get them to do some of that hands-on stuff. But again, realizing like, okay, maybe these kids don't have the resources at home. So what else can we give them? So it it's allowed me the opportunity to think about different options. So giving kids options and choices, like, look, you could do this, um, but if you don't have it, then there's this opportunity, you know, to do this instead. And um, it's something that I definitely see myself keeping when we when we come back is offering students choice like what do you want to do you know how do you want to learn about this instead of me saying this is how you will learn and you know i'll be honest like it, it it's something i used to do a lot of and just over time have have gradually let go like i'm like okay i can't i can't always force my my way of thinking on on students like i gotta open it up to to them like how do how do they want to learn and i also have to accept the fact that they might fumble it because <laughs> they might they might not know how they want to learn because they haven't explored that yet right they're, they're so used to somebody telling them like no this this is how you will learn this this is it you know but i want i do want to give them some options and that doesn't mean like the whole year is like you know do it however you want <laughs> no 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 but because Having that flexibility, yeah, to let them kind of choose. Yeah, because my because my job as an educator, you know, I go, I go back to what I said earlier. It's taking the complex, what can be very complex, and breaking it down into simple pieces. So, you know, I've I've had these years of of education to synthesize all this stuff for them, but at the same time, like I said, I'm going to allow them to explore on their own. So it's kind of that that balancing act between those between those two things that I'm definitely going to keep um, after distance learning is over. Yeah, I could only imagine how difficult that was to do science. And I'm glad you learned something from that so you can, because the education is going to evolve from this, right? I was thinking about it, like education will never be the same. I think the world, obviously, we know that the world yeah. will never be the same. Um, and it's one of the one of those things that you see restaurants. I've always, I always go back to that one. That was the first change we saw. Um, you know, the way restaurants kind of operated with like you scan your menu, you know, you have the QR codes and little things where you're like, why didn't you do that before? You know, that was already there. Why are you wasting paper and having me? you know, have these like fancy laminated things handed around or, or yeah. thrown away. So now it's like, okay, that makes sense, right? The QR code and digital payments and it's easier for accountability and, and then being able to, uh, you know, check their, their money. Um, so then I was like, education, how are we gonna change? Well, 
you know, Zoom was something I was using a year before the, the pandemic. I was using Zoom uh, to do college courses um, at Loyola Marymount. So I would do my Zoom every Wednesday with a couple colleagues. And then, so when they said we're going to Zoom, I was like, okay, at least I know how to use it. So I had that advantage that like, I knew what the app was. I knew what it could do, the breakout room, everything. Uh-huh. And other teachers were still learning like what that was, how it meant, so, or what, what it meant. And um, it, it's just kind of cool to see how education will evolve as far as like technology, because, and I'm, I'm asking myself, like, how come we weren't doing this before? You know, like, yeah. let's be honest. Um, a lot of things that we do as far as like printing, you know, let's say like books or textbooks or different things like that. It's like, man, you know, that's an old way of doing it. You know, especially like um, when the kids go to college, we're trying to prep them for this new world. Mm-hmm. When they go to college, there's a lot of hybrid and online classes, you know, and when I, you and I went, um, probably you a little, a little older than me, but when I, yeah. you know, when I was going to at the a end, lot older. Little, no, just a little bit, uh, <laughs> on the, you know, on my way out of Sac State and I went to Sac State, um, there was like, one online class maybe offered during you know as far as undergrad junior college had a lot of online classes at the end but like i remember under like sac state they really wanted you on campus taking the class with the professor they weren't they weren't going to give you units just to do it um but now i'm pretty sure there's a lot more opportunities for that but i I remember taking like a i don't know recreational therapy class like online right it was like modules right so i learned how to do the modules and i feel like that's just going to be a continuous thing that's going to continue to evolve and um, and it's, it's not a bad thing. You know, it also gives people an opportunity to teach from somewhere else, you know, have a teacher from across the world or, uh, students from all over the place. And so we'll see how this changes everything. I, I, I don't know about you, but I went back to the room this last two weeks and I was like, you know what? Um, I gotta get rid of these computers, you know, like I gotta <laughs> get rid of it because the, the students are so used to being in front of it and just yeah. being nonverbal. Um, and I'm a, I'm a Spanish teacher, so we cannot be a nonverbal class it's impossible yeah, that's just not gonna work you have to communicate with me or with someone else and we lost that with the zoom right we lost the yeah. opportunity to say okay you and you okay when i those minutos you guys are going to communicate you're going to ask each other these questions that we that we've been working on or tell your story and that's something that we're getting such a good hang of before we left and it's like that's gone like yeah. that is gone like now there's like i could ask a simple question like almost us and the kid looks at me like what and i'm like <laughs> really like we we were you know and so you lose that because when i was doing the zooms and distance learning my lessons were changed my my i was adjusting to the times and i was like all right we can only do this this and this yeah not the you same know, right students are not going to answer me if i ask them i'll be waiting for jaime to turn his mic on <laughs> he's going to take forever to put his camera on so i let's just give him a flip grid right he could do the flip grid yeah but they, there was a disconnect to having the kid even click the link to go to the flip grid i'm like yeah. click on the link and i'm in the flip grid <laughs> waiting i'm like there's only six of you there's only four of you and, I, and so there was a lot of like you know, and teachers probably had a problem like, okay, I don't have control of the class. I don't yeah. have control of like, yeah, they're quiet, but I can't get them from point A to point B because they're not going there. Like, I don't know where they are. So that was really hard for me. That was really hard for a lot of us. Um, I, I hope that we can continue to use something like Flipgrid, you know, these these cool digital tools that you could record yourself and, you know, you could play it back and have people hear you out. And it's actually really cool because then they have like recorded, you know, um, conversations that they can look back like on the first week and be like, wow, I got way better on week nine, you know, way better on week 18. And so that's yeah, that a reflection that I, piece. Yeah, that's something that we could use as a reflection piece and a feedback thing with, other, you know, a little checklist and they're watching other students talk and they're waiting for key vocabulary to pop up in the story. So I kind of use that to our advantage, but I definitely see the importance of getting back in the room and giving them a pencil, man. Here's a pencil, here's a piece <laughs> of paper, right? I need to see, I need to see some movement because 
um sometimes the computer there's a lot of temptation as well as like yeah my biggest thing is google translate man google translate oh <laughs> man <laughs> google translate anything google it's like it's cool that it's at your and i told the kids i understand it's a temptation it's there you know yeah. i understand if if i was taking this french class and i had no idea then i would resort to that but i i want you to, to not i want you to struggle a little bit because you're not gonna learn without struggling and and i think that's something that kind of hurt my students but i think we're gonna get back there i think we're gonna get to that point once like once I can get get away from these computers for a bit, we'll be all right, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a question of like, you know, what's education going to look like after this? You know, it, it's my hope that we focus on the positives that I was talking about mm -hmm. and we learn from those from those negatives. And it, my biggest concern is that, you know, we'll, we'll look back on this and be like, well, it's a one year thing and we'll be right back to where we were before the pandemic. You know, uh, because like I said, there, there's been problems in education and we we went through this, I mean, absolutely disruptive time, disruptive time. And if we take nothing from it, like I, I don't know what we're doing. If, if, edu if education takes nothing from this and just goes right back to where we used to be, where we know we had problems, <laughs> what was the point? So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we can take some of those positives that we learned and really focus in on them and also focus in on those negatives and, and try to fix some of the problems that, that we've been we've been having. Um, so, you know, I, I'm already starting to think about like, yeah, you know, what, what am I going to what are the pieces that, that I'm going to keep? What are the pieces that have worked for my students? And so it's not just, you know, pieces that have worked for me, but pieces that have worked for them. So I'm constantly asking them, like, what, what what's working for you? You know, is this working? Is it not working? Because obviously I'm like, look, I, again, I, I can be that that person is just like, look, you're going to do it because I say to do it. Right. <laughs> and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, but I, I would rather get their input on something and say, like, look, you know, I, I could do this if it's working for you. You know, if it's working for you, then I'll 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 work out the logistics. I'll 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 figure it out along the way. Um, but I think kids do like they would much rather do a flip grid then hop on zoom and do something like they, they would just much rather much rather do that oh, yeah. um, same thing with with google classroom a lot of kids I, I stay away from google classroom for a really long time i mean i have my masters in instructional technology and i stayed away from from google <laughs> classroom <laughs> you know i was always, i'm you know and I, i'm still a proponent of 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 pen or pencil to paper you know there's a lot of research that shows that that's just it's just better for your memory it's just better that you can tie a concept to an action that, that you're doing. Right. But, you know, some of the kids are just better on Google Classroom. Like they'll just, they'll, they'll turn it in on Google Classroom, but they won't turn it in. Like, you know, I, there's yeah. just some things that right. were, I, I, I just struggling to get it from them on paper, but like on Google Classroom was just done, you know, yeah. no problems. So yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping to pull, like I said, the, the good things. And, you know, one of the things you, you mentioned was control. And it, it's one of those things that I, I had to let a lot of that go this year. And I, I, you know, I'll be honest, I was scared, like, you know, to let go of the little bubble that I'm always like trying to, trying to manage, like, you know, yeah. trying to corral them the entire time. It's like, you know, you can, you know, I, I realize that for myself, I can loosen that up. I can let go a little bit of the control, my own ego, just, just let it go. Yeah, I'll be fine. You know, just open up the circle a little more. They'll, they'll be okay. And that's one of the other things that, like I said, I'm, I'm going to bring back with me. Like I'm, you know, I don't have to worry about controlling that little bubble 
um, so tightly. And I think that's what freaked a lot of teachers out is that, like I said, they, they were giving up, um, they were giving up control of, of the classroom. Like they had less control over their classroom. And so, I don't know, for, for me, it was just a reflection question. Like, okay, why do I feel like I need that control over these students? Like, why, why do I feel like I absolutely need to have it mm-hmm. over them? And I get it. Like, you know, I should, I should watch them. I should pay attention to what they're doing. But like, just this, like I said, just this overwhelming sense, like, no, no, I need to control them. Like, no, no, I, I think I can get away from that. I think I'm okay getting away from that now. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I think education is going to evolve that way anyways, because I think we're just, I don't know, maybe we were trained that way. And, and obviously our administrators wanted that, wanted that from us. Like, Hey, we got to give them bell to bell instruction or yeah. whatever. Maybe like, you know, we got to teach them every second that we can. And I think this has made us obviously take a step back and lose that man, that classroom management. All right. So Jaime, kind of tell me, man, um, Oh, let me start over because my wife gets mad. I always say that. It's kind of, she always says I get mad. She gets mad when I say man. I always say man. So, all right. Jaime, <laughs> um, could you kind of talk about if we were, you know, you as an educator, if you were able to bring back, bring back or bring in different courses into our schools or a different pathway, uh, what would you, top of your head, what, do you, what would you bring into the educational world today? Well, you know, me personally, and not, not just for myself, but from my students, as I was saying earlier, I'm always asking my kids, like, you know, what do you want to learn? Not just in science, but just in general, like, what do you, what do you want to learn about? What, what is school lacking? And, you know, that was a big conversation this year with, with my students. I kept asking, like, what, what are we missing? What, what don't we do? What don't we teach? What should we do? What should we teach? And, um, you know, one of the things that, that popped up was financial literacy. And I was mentioning earlier that um, I was watching um, an earlier, uh, or not watching, listening to an earlier podcast where you were talking about stocks and whatnot. And it's like, yeah, I had to go out and, and, and learn that. I wish they would have taught me that in school about investing and investments and um, taxes and real estate. And, you know, I love science and understanding about the natural world, how it works and how you play a role in that is very important. But so are taxes because they're going to have to do that the moment they leave. The moment they leave, they're going to need to know how to file taxes. And, you know, I go back to, you know, if we circle all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, it's like if these are conversations that are that are happening in the household, uh, things about investment, uh, real estate, uh, business, taxes, then to that student or, or that person, it just seems normal. That's just. That's what they do. But, you know, there's this other set of people that don't, that they don't talk about it. Um, and again, not because they don't want to, it's, it's just, it's not part of their conversation. So I would love to bring that in to education because the kids are curious about it. They're, they're curious about financial literacy and like, okay, what do I do with my money? And I, I think, you know, lo- looking back on, on my own life, it was like, okay, I make money and then I spend money. It wasn't really like, okay, I, I really should be investing. Right. I really should be investing right. um, this money. You know what? It doesn't mean I, you know, I was living paycheck to paycheck, but yeah, I, you know, if, if somebody would have told me like, look, if you start investing at this age, by the time you're this age, you could retire. Yeah. And now you, we're, we're talking about it um, offline where it's like, had I started investing 15 years ago, <laughs> I, I could have the choice to stay in education. Like I didn't, you know, I won't have to, I could just be like, okay, now it's just a choice that 
I'm, I'm right. staying here. And so a lot of kids are curious about that. Um, you know, one of the other things I, I would definitely bring back are, um, you know, things like automotive, um, HVAC, um, home ec, and just cooking, just, just basic life skills right. that are what, you know, wood shop, you know, we're talking about, you know, my wood shop experience offline, how valuable right. that was. Right. And yeah, I mean, I, I wish they could bring those things back. I mean, I, and, and we're talking about it. I, I understand the value of education and how college can be an investment, but that doesn't have to be the only path, um, especially if a student is interested and is uh, gravitating towards something like, you know, automotive or some other service industry. And there, like I said, there's nothing wrong with some of them make more than we do. Like, to be honest, so, an electrician, like I said, if you're, you know, if you get an apprenticeship, um, you're going to be making more than I do. You'll yeah. be fine. Right. You know, but I think there's this, there's this negative um, stigma that like, if you don't go to college, you're, you know, well, you're not as educated or you're not at this level. It's sort of like this, this new little like gold sticker that we, that we put on people like, okay, if you go to college and you get this gold sticker and if you don't, you don't, you know, you don't get the gold sticker. And it's like, you know, I try to tell my kids too, it's like a degree is a piece of paper. It's like, it's kind of like the percent in my class. It's like, it doesn't um, give you your value as a human being. Like I always tell my students, I don't care if you have a 94 or a 4% in my class, like I'm going to treat you as a decent human being. Like, do I want you to have a higher grade? Absolutely. But I'm not going to treat you badly because of it. <laughs> no. And I, you know, like, I, I think sometimes, yeah, uh, you know, educators will, will equate, like I said, the percent to the person is like, ah, you got to uh, separate those two. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think like some of those service industries where kids are genuinely interested, like if, if it's going to pique their interest, why not? <laughs> why, you know, why not have it? Right. So, but yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, a lot of my kids are like financial literacy. It's something that they want to learn uh, more about. And I wish, like I said, we can bring it, you know, into the fold. And so, I, you know, I, I try to talk to some of my kids, not that I'm, you know, this expert. And I, I tell them that, like, I'm not this expert in financial literacy, but at some point, you know, you should probably start thinking about it. You should probably start talking about it. And that's what it is. It's trying to bring it into just a normal, you know, just a normal conversation with them. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of different classes. We have to find a way to get in. I think for whatever reason, someone at the higher level above our pay grade are, are, are making yeah. these decisions that say, Hey, you know, these are the important skills I need to have. And and yeah, I think there's too much that we could probably put into a class, uh, I mean, into a school schedule because, you know, we, we're already so tight and, you know, like I said, we, we want to put more things in there. Uh, I think we're, we're reflecting back to times when we were in school and there was automotive, you know, um, they, they still have them. I think it just yeah. depends what school you go to. But I know going back to my high school, there was a, we had a whole full on garage, right? They were doing auto body and, and a little bit of, you know, basic work on cars. And so there was people in those classes. I was never interested in that, you know, um, it's definitely something that somebody was right because there was kids in those classes there was obviously you know classes for the life life management or whatever it was called home ec i think it was called home ec where we got to cook and do different things like that and and learn about life and and it's just too much right there's a lot of stuff that we have to find ways to get into the classroom i definitely agree with you the financial literacy is one of them that i don't understand why we don't talk about it because even if when you go to college i mean i never even had those i never had a class that even talked about that either so i can go to you know, I went to four years of, well, I ended up taking six years of it, but I, I did, a, you know, six years of college yeah. 
And I never had a class to teach me about any of these things that we're talking about right now. So it's definitely a, a disconnect there of real world skills that people should be aware of, um, especially, you know, we talked about off the air, um, you know, being able to follow your own taxes, uh, being able to uh, apply for a loan or whatever it may be, or, or things that you do need to have to to get whatever you want, a house, a car, whatever it is that you need. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of disconnect there, you know. Um, um, you know, you're able to go get a credit card at 18 years old, but you can't get a business loan, you know? So there's a lot of little <laughs> things that, that the world has set up, which is really weird. Um, you know, they allow you to, uh, uh, you know, drive a vehicle that could be very dangerous at a very young age, but you know, you can't, you know, have a glass of wine, you know? So <laughs> there's like little things where like some things, they just don't make sense. And, and that's just how it is. But I guess as educators, we got to find a way to I don't know, integrate, integrate some of these real world, real world things into the classroom. You know, I know for, for Spanish, I do my best to teach them the value of learning Spanish and especially being bilingual. And I highlight students that are already bilingual. They already speak Hindu or they already speak um, Urdu or Punjabi or whatever it is they speak already at home, Russian, and, and just highlight that like, Hey, you're already bilingual. So why not add a third, you know, a third yeah. language to that. And so just different things, you know, talking about culture and I, and I try to integrate those things in my classroom um, with Spanish. I know you probably can do that with science every day with whatever article pops up or whatever's going on in the world. You can definitely find a way to tie that in. And I think that's that's truly probably our job, right? Our job as a teacher is to take this complex thing and break it down to a sixth grader, you know, like, hey, you know, it's not just learning Spanish, but it's this, this, this and this and why it's important, you know, so I, I know you're doing that in science as well. Well, you know, it, just going back to, you know, trying to to make things relevant. And I think that's what it is. It's trying to make things uh, relevant to the students. And, you know, on the part of the educator, it, sometimes it does take a little bit more work to think about, okay, how am I going to make this relevant, you know, to these, to these students? And, you know, I, I've been guilty of this, you know, my first couple of years, it, it wasn't about that. It was just about delivering content. How, again, how I wanted to deliver content and, you know, my ego getting in the way. I mean, like, no, this is how they need to learn it. Um, and just gradually over time, I just, like I said, just started letting that go and being like, okay, well, how can I make it relevant to them? And, you know, it, it led to, to me, you know, getting closer to my students because I had to talk to them to figure out what was relevant to them. And it doesn't mean that it's relevant to me though. So, and I think, I think that's the, that's the other part. Like that's kind of the, the control part you got to let go of, like, you know, what's important to them and things that they're focused on, like might not be what you're focused on, but like, how, how can I leverage that, you know, to help deliver the content? So, you know, me is just like, okay, I had to learn how to get, you know, not that they use it anymore, but at first it was Facebook, you know, because IG didn't exist back then. Right. So I was like, MySpace. Okay. What do you mean, MySpace, man? <laughs> oh, well, no, no, that was uh, that was me. Like I, I was into the MySpace. Thing. You know, when when I was out, they were like MySpace. It's about Facebook. Like, right, right, right. My parents are on MySpace, right. <laughs> and now now it's just like they're like Facebook. Like old people on Facebook, <laughs> you know, they're, oh, they're, they're they're on, no, they're on next door. Uh, yeah. On, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're, they're definitely on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, things, yeah. things change, but they, they get, you know, these kids are, they'll surprise you with the things they're interested in, which is crazy yeah. because um, I was talking to you off the air is like technology. You helped me a lot with my technology help uh, my little it help. And, and man, my sixth graders are killing it on the it, you know, like, Hey, I need to do this, this and that. And they're really good at, you know, for them, it's really cool. They know how to stream. They know how to set up a stream. They know how to, you know, uh, start a YouTube channel. Some of them have a podcast. 
you know so it's really cool to see all that and it's like now can we like take that and somehow highlight that in the classroom you know because there's no reason like, oh no we're not doing that here right we're gonna learn spanish it's like no why not have them you know hey let's do like a short segment on your on your, you know maybe you could do it in espanol or and, and i always tell i always joke with them right because when they log into zoom everybody was just quiet so i'm like all right welcome back to the podcast and i'd have my mic set up and i have my little stream deck and i'm playing sound effects and oh i love the sound effects yeah right and the kids are just like wow like you're like you know they're like oh you're weird or whatever and it's like you guys aren't you know no one's talking so i guess it's a pocket i'm already <laughs> talking and you're listening so it was just a little thing like that you know just a little uh something i knew they were interested in and i just highlight it you know so it was kind of cool doing that yeah no but like i you know again just just why not leverage what they know and what they're bringing to the table you know i i asked my again just ask them what works you know what what new technologies are out there what you know what are you looking at and you know through that, I learned about like OBS, which is what I'm using right now. And, you know, we, we've talked about it offline about using OBS in the classroom, which is, I mean, it's just super cool. Like just being able to flip through, like, you know, like I'll do it right now, just being able to flip through like, you know, <laughs> different scenes, scenes yeah. real quick, you know, it's like, cool. I told my students I'd light flex that for them. Um, and they get yeah, they're shocked when you show them, show them cool things like, oh my God, what, you, you have that? And they know, they, they know. Yeah, yeah they know, are, yeah, they know what you're, you know, they know what you're using yeah. um, or using things like, uh, like Discord. Discord has helped us stay uh, more connected. Like they'll chat on Discord all day long. Like they're just, you know, you tell them to drop, you know, just have a meme dump and then just, you know, 20 kids will just start dropping, you know, different gifts and memes right. in there. And it's like, you know, why not leverage, like I said, the things that they know into your classroom, integrate it. Um, at the same time, bring, I mean, you bring something to the table. So at the end of the day, they're contributing to the class, you're contributing to the class. And that's when you get the sense of like, this is our classroom. Like this, this belongs to, to us. It's not mine. It's not mine alone to hold. It's like, it, it's our space where we kind of learn from each other. Right. And like I said, it's, it's become a real powerful tool. Like I said, I, you know, I've, I've gotten more into Instagram because of them. Like we have our own personal, like instagram page um you know i'll do instagram lives with them and, and things like that and <laughs> you know some people are like well isn't that isn't like isn't that too much work it's like it is a lot of work but the payoff you gotta understand that the, the the payoff is enormous because they're more connected to the classroom they're more connected with me asking them to do things like you know try this Okay, they're more apt to try it. And, you know, and I talk to them all the time, like, you know, I, I want them to suggest things to me so that I can try it for the first time because it, it puts me back into that student mode, learning something brand new for the first time and understanding how hard something is. Like if you have no foundation whatsoever, how hard it is to learn something. And when they're the experts and you're not, they, they can also see like how frustrating it, how frustrating it is sometimes to be a teacher. Cause you just want to tell them like, no, it's this simple, but like, it's, it's not when you're teaching someone who doesn't have a reference, right. it's not as simple as you think it is. So you like, you know, it's been good for, for, for all of us to, you know, to engage in that way. Well, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you found that, that, uh, that time to do that and that energy, you know, so you could, your, your students, like you said, it pays off because your students find that common ground with you. Like, okay, he's a real, real human being. He's not just my teacher. And, um, you know, you're just finding things that they're interested in, you know, like whether it be whatever sports, you know, you, you connect with them or technology, you know, I, I love showing off like little tech things, like you said, like they, they're, they're into and mentioning whatever they're doing, because, yeah. you know, I think that's something that we have to do as educators and not just deliver content. We have to get away from 
just here's the book and this is what you're going to learn. It's like, that's going to be, it's not going to be useful to them. You know, and that's why yeah. when, when I do, you know, teach them vocabulary, I do let them choose. Like, for instance, you know, just a quick thing is like, all right, we're going to learn about transportation. I let them choose five of their favorite ones and they learn those, you know, like there's a list of 50, but you know, maybe a boat's not important to them or a horse is not important to them. So you choose the five that you see and they want to pick cars or whatever it may be bikes. Um, and, and, then, and then I know like, you know what, I think they're going to probably remember that forever because if they like yeah. scooters, they'll remember how to say scooter, you know? So things like that. So I like try to find a way to be on the same level as them. And, and like you said, uh, kind of show your, yourself that you're vulnerable as well. Like, you know, Hey, you know, Hey, how do you, you know, I need a gaming PC, man. What do I do? So little things like, Hey, I need this. Or like, I need a microphone. What do you recommend? You know? And I don't know, kind of having that conversation with them. Yeah. Well, cool. for me, I think it's cool because, you know, every day, and I, I, I've said this, you know, to, to the people around me, they're probably sick of, sick of hearing me say it, but, you know, I always talk about how every day I invite my students into my classroom or into our classroom to learn about something abstract they have no knowledge of, mm -hmm. like, uh, and, and, and I'm asking you to, to try it, to, to just take that leap of faith and, 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 and try this and, and believe that you'll be able to understand it. Right. Like, why wouldn't I be willing to do the same thing? Like, why would I not be willing to say, okay, well, you bring something that's new to me that I'm I, basically, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to trust you that you're telling me I can do this right. and I'll be able to learn it. If, if, if you teach it to me and you show me the ropes. So, and I think that like that vulnerability um, makes you more human to them because they do see like, okay, he, he's willing to try something outside of his comfort zone, outside of his wheelhouse. Um, and I think it's easier for me to ask them to do the same when, when I do that. You're, you hit it on the head, Jaime. So yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on here. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I appreciate you sharing your story and uh, you know, I hope we can reconnect soon and uh, stay connected so we could, uh, I don't know, keep doing whatever we're doing with technology and, and uh, being educators. So yeah, man, I appreciate your time. I really do. No, thank you for having me on. Like I said, it, it's been a blast. I've been actually looking, you know, over the last uh, couple of months to connecting with with other, you know, uh, you know, Latinx teachers out there. Uh, just because I, I've worked with some phenomenal, like, you know, um, black educators over the summer, and you know, seeing how close knit their community is becoming um, on social media. And I was like, okay, well, I I need to do a better job of like for our own community of, yes. of getting out there and, and connecting, you know, with, with some of us. And so I was glad I, I you know, I ran across you and, and a couple of others I'm starting to connect with. And so yeah. I definitely look forward to building this community um, yeah, over man. time. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, man. We're here and uh, yeah, I appreciate your time. Oh, can you, you know, let the people know where they can find you, man? Oh yeah. So um, everything is uh, at Avila teach. So on IG, YouTube, Twitter, um, all the same, all the same handle. Okay. I appreciate you, Jaime. Have a good uh, rest of your day. All right. You too, Alex. Thank you. Right. Thank you.